Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody. This week on Woke AF, we are reflecting on the year of hate. What is apparent and became crystal clear in 2020 and as we turn the page to 2021 is that violence and hate are on the rise in the United States. We would look no further than the killings, the continued killings of unarmed black people during, at the very height of the global health pandemic, that not even during that time In 2020, did we see a reprieve from police violence against unarmed Black people? We also saw in 2020 our own president at that time, Donald Trump, use the Asian community as his battering ram referring to COVID-19 as an ethnic slur, as a way to defer responsibility for his ineptitude in taking action against COVID-19 when it first set its sights on the United States, and instead would blame Asian Americans for the fact that COVID-19 would reach our shores. During this time, we would see an absolute and intense rise in hate crimes against the Asian population here, so much so that there was a hashtag created, Stop Asian Hate. So much so that legislation was created to acknowledge the rise in Asian hate. Then we would experience in 2021 a continuation 
of the violence against black Americans, which we have been experiencing since we were shackled and brought to this country. We would continue to see the hatred lauded against the Latinx community, against undocumented immigrants, against Asians. And then once again, we were to return to ye old faithful, which is using Muslims as a pinata in this country, particularly by Republican members of Congress threatening the lives of their own colleagues. You know, there was a report that was buried a decade ago that talked about the rise in white supremacy in America and the rise in hate and hate groups. It was buried because, of course, anything that mentions the word white, you know, law enforcement, intelligence agencies don't like to pay attention to. They'd much rather focus their people on the perceived enemy, right? Which has always been people of color. That's why they were created to protect white people from people of color. The reality is, is that I don't think that the hate we have seen thus far has even reached a fever pitch. That's what scares me the most. We have leaders in power because there are leaders and then there are leaders that actually pull the power and pull the levers of power who want to create their own armies like Death Santis, who praise white supremacist militia like Donald Trump who want to embrace murderers like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates, And I wonder where it's all headed. You know, I can remember, and, and excuse me because I, I can't remember his name. I like to block these things out. There was a Republican member of Congress that said, well, we have more bullets on our side. Because they are itching for a new civil war. And I remember being on Sirius XM and having a caller say, Danielle, we're in a silent civil war right now. One that is being fought with words and the media and enforced with policy. You see, when we look around right now, we have no voting rights legislation after the world watched the excruciating murder of George Floyd, the legislation that bears his name is currently dead in the Senate with no hopes of revival because it was disingenuous to believe in the first place that Republicans would do anything about qualified immunity, right? Because, you know, you put on a badge, so long as you're not protecting the Capitol building, you put on a badge and you get to do whatever the fuck you want. 
you get to both go through training, hold a gun, but still fear for your life by unarmed civilians, and then have no accountability and responsibility to the actions that you take because, oh, you're a police officer. And God forbid we were to dissolve qualified immunity, which would then maybe have these officers who we continue to refer to as just a collective group of bad apples instead of the poison orchard that they come from, maybe they would think twice about, you know, what Kim Potter did, which is say, oh, I thought it was my taser, but it was really a gun. And then take a 20 year old away from his friends, his family, and his child. American hate is real. And we saw its bare face on January 6th. The screams, the racial slurs, the taunting, the red faces demanding their country back. Very reminiscent of the lynching photos of yesteryear. Or present day, if you look at the McMichaels and what they were able to do to Ahmaud Arbery, and without the outrage from the public, we would have never received guilty verdicts. We wouldn't have received a trial, and they never would have been arrested. So how many stories do we not hear about? How many acts of violence and hate never reach national news? Never trend on social media. Names that we will never know. You know, it was a big deal when the lynching museum was created, the lynching memorial. It was a big deal because the country had never seen it before. It was a physical representation in Alabama that would showcase on six acres overlooking the Alabama state capitol some of the many victims of American white supremacy. It would force people to have to reckon with what has been so long buried in this country, which is why you have Republicans right now fighting against a curriculum that doesn't even exist. Because the mere thought of what history would look and read and sound like outside of the white gaze is terrifying, is enough to be a campaign tool. Your kids shouldn't be subjected to the truth. Your kids should know about the fact that black people have always lived in fucking terror. 
that was condoned, that was legalized for centuries. This is what the New York Times wrote back in 2018 about the memorial. The National Memorial for Peace and Justice, which opens Thursday on a six-acre site overlooking the Alabama state capitol, is dedicated to the victims of American white supremacy. And it demands a reckoning with one of the nation's least recognized atrocities. The lynching of thousands of black people in a decades-long campaign of racial terror. At the center is a grim cloister a walkway with 800 weathered steel columns all hanging from a roof. Etched on each column is the name of an American county and the people who were lynched there. Most listed by name, many simply as unknown. The columns meet you first at eye level like the headstones, that lynching victims were rarely given. But as you walk, the floor steadily descends. By the end, the columns are all dangling above, leaving you in the position of the callous spectators in old photographs of public lynchings. Hate is not new to America. If you are any student of American history at all, then you would know it's what it was founded on. We love the stories, the whimsical tales of the first Thanksgivings and the gatherings and the indigenous population meeting, the welcoming the pilgrims at the shore's end only to literally be shot in the back, scalped, raped, and infected with deadly viruses that their bodies hadn't developed immunities to, only to then be picked up and put on small plots of land that they would struggle to be able to grow food on, to exist on, spiraling them into generations of alcoholism, drug abuse, domestic abuse, and worse. Suicide rates on those reservations are higher than the nation's suicide rates. You would never learn until maybe recently that America had had a legacy of stealing, kidnapping, Native American children, forcing them into residential schools where they would beat them into submission. And for those that they could not break, they would then just end up burying them in mass graves. That's the truth of American hate. We, of course, have many inflection points over the course of the 270 plus years of our existence but it's the story that we as a collective don't ever tell. Except in moments of great grief. 
like watching George Floyd take his last breath by calling out for his dead mother. Coming up is my conversation that took place in May with the editor-at-large for The Daily Beast, Molly Jung Fast, and we delve into American hate. Friends, I am so, so, so excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily for the very first time. Um, my friend, Molly Jung Fast, you may have read her, you read her, you listen to her. She is the editor at large for The Daily Beast, as well as one of the co-hosts for the New Abnormal podcast with The Daily Beast. Um Molly, let me tell you, one, congrats on all of the stories that the Daily Beast has been breaking left and right. Um, I think that the coverage has been fantastic around Republicans, around Matt Gaetz. Um, let's start with where Republicans are, right? Like where we are in our political landscape right now. We have, in my humble opinion, one political party and one cult. What do you think about how let's let's look at their reactions to Biden's joint session last week and what they were applauding and what they were refusing to applaud to? What do you think the Republican Party stands for these days? You know, that was that moment when the GOP leader refused to applaud clean water. Right. Because also child poverty. Right. Child poverty. I mean, again. You know, the problem is there are basically right. They believe the election. I mean, they just have these like insane beliefs, right? They don't believe the election that Biden won the election. They believe that Trump is still president, right? They believe, you know, there's a 40 percent of Republicans don't want to take the vaccine. I mean, we've sort of gone through the looking glass with this group, and I don't know uh, I mean, again, like it's like I was watching the MSN today and we're listening to, you know, are our Republicans going to compromise on infrastructure like, you know, they didn't even accept the election results. Like, how are you going to make a deal with these people when they are so nuts? So, I, yeah, I don't know what happens. I mean, it just seems crazy to me. You know, one of the other things, too, and, and I was on MSNBC, you know, over the weekend and you know, I was on Reverend Al's show and he's asking, you know, what are we doing with Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin? Right. Like right. they are. And I and I keep referring to them as Democrats in sheep's clothes, like Democrats and uh, Republicans in sheep's clothing. Right. Like they are not even Democrat light, like they are becoming just as big of an obstacle as the Republican Party is. How do we manage them? And the fact that Joe Manchin's like, no, D.C. doesn't deserve the right to vote. And no, uh, the infrastructure bill is going to cost too much money. And no, on all of these things, like essentially siding with Republicans, but he's supposed to be a Democrat. Well, Manchin is a harder is a harder lift than cinema, right? Because Manchin is an unreplaceable politician. You you don't you can't primary Manchin. Manchin is Manchin. He is the only Democrat that could conceivably win that seat. Uh, cinema is a different story, right? Because that's a very liberal, a much more liberal state that is really turning blue. And so she really could. Uh, she's really out of step with her party, right? With Manchin, you could see 
rural West Virginia, even though these are people who would benefit a lot from infrastructure and broad, you know, this is a place where they really actually do. I mean, where I live, broadband is not going to change my life, but where in some mm-hmm. parts in of West Virginia it really will. So I don't quite know what his calculus there is. I do think like it should fall on the Biden administration to go and talk to him. You know, I mean, certainly the first thing that needs to happen is the voting rights bill, the Mm -hmm. HB1. And like that has to happen because that is about democracy, right? And keeping democracy going. And so if it were me, I would go to them and get them on that and do that as like you can, you can, sort of fix it so you don't you have a filibuster list bill with that one bill and so i would do that and then i would go into infrastructure infrastructure is a longer conversation the voting rights is number one in my mind and um so i think that's really important but yeah no it's a problem and i think that um some of this needs biden administration needs to go in there and explain to them i mean with cinema uh, Mark Kelly is up for re-election in two years. Right. So right. he can't, there really is her inability to do the things she needs to do for her party could have real, real world results. Now, the interesting thing is Mark Kelly is much more popular in mm-hmm. Arizona than she mm-hmm. is. So you do have an interesting dynamic there. Um, but yeah, no, I think number one is protect voting rights. Number one is make sure that um companies are that the companies in these states where there is this move towards anti-democracy that they're speaking out right so like florida just passed so we have georgia passed this really bad bill and now florida just passed it and florida's bill also has these like you can run over protesters in your car oh yeah yeah so i mean that needs to be like we need companies in florida and i know ron DeSantis. i mean it's so interesting because like republicans used to be so pro-business and now they are super into trying to punish businesses for not doing what they want which is like such a strange kind of crony capitalism but like we need businesses to stand up and push back against some of this and say like no you know i mean i i mean i think like we have to there are activists in georgia who i'm sure you know who are like on the ground who mm-hmm. are have sort of had good direction on like what to do exactly in georgia but certainly in florida i mean that's a big issue you know i i think that what is incredibly troubling right now what i'm concerned about with the biden harris administration is that We're looking at all of these other pieces of legislation. We're looking at this double infrastructure bill. We're looking at uh, the George Floyd police reform bill. But there isn't as as fervent a conversation happening around voting rights. And in my opinion, just like you laid out, I'm like, if we don't do that next, right, as the clock is running out, as we're heading into midterms, then this is going to be a one term presidency for Biden and Harris because people aren't going to be able to vote. So why do you think that their focus is not here or or is their focus there as well as all of these other things, but it's not receiving the type of attention it should? I don't know. I mean, the voting rights bill is not sexy and I don't know how you pass it because you don't have 10 Republicans who are at all. I mean, like one of the quote unquote sanest Republicans, and I'm not saying I'm saying this is like to show how unsane she is is Susan Collins. And Susan Collins said that Democrats are all part of like a woke mob this weekend. Like, 
I mean, she didn't quite say that, but I mean, it's completely insane if you think about where Republicans are like supporting a lie that the election didn't even happen, right? It's crazy. So uh, I do think there aren't many sane Republicans. So I don't know how, I mean, I think it's scary and it's hard to do, but I think it's important. And I think it's more important, honestly, than infrastructure right now. And then George Floyd policing, which is also super important. I mean, the good news with that is it feels like there's more, there's a bipartisan added, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know that Republicans really have like, it's hard for me to imagine Republican having Republicans having a good faith effort on anything, but if they are, it, you know, Tim Scott would be the, is in my mind, the only one who would have any, you know, so we'll see. I mean, he does, it, it's, at least we have a Republican who's interested in doing something, which is sort of very much his stark change from the usual. I want to talk about Matt Gates. Yeah. And the fact that he's a creep, yeah. uh, which you have written about uh, on numerous occasions, uh, and the Daily Beast is breaking stories left and right. Where do you think that this story goes and whether or not Republicans are going to be forced into a corner or can be forced into a corner with getting him off of the committees, right? Like we know that Democrats have the ability to do that, but Republicans have been silent. They say things like the accusations are super serious, but they're not calling for anything. So is this just them being okay with embracing, you know, sex with minors and okay with trafficking and okay with all of these things? Like where do Democrats step in to own the narrative around this? You know, I think Republicans will do what they can get away with. I mean, that's what we've seen in Trump world, right? That it it just, there's no bar too low. So I think it's possible that uh, they don't ever call on him to resign, that they just let it play out. I don't know, you know, there was a lot of speculation that there was really, really, that this was much worse than anyone knew. Um, There definitely is a 17 year old girl Uh, I think she's 18 now, who is like, uh, who exists, but she won't talk. So until she'll talk, I don't know what they do there. There definitely is Gates's friend and is doing a plea deal. So maybe he can roll on Gates. I don't know. I mean, a lot of things have to happen. Remember, Gates has this very wealthy Florida Republican family that's working hard to protect him. So, you know, he's kind of ensconced and he is a congressman, you know, he's not a senator. And he is from a very red district. I mean, if it were me and it were my party, I would want him out because he's so problematic and you know any Republican can win that seat anyway. You know, it's not a situation where you have a Republican in a blue seat. You have a Republican in a very red seat. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's unlikely that, I don't think Republicans are motivated by like doing the right thing. I mean, evidently, I mean, that's clear. So I think it's, I don't know how that goes or what happens, but it's not, it is not great for them. What platform are they standing on these days? Or does it, it doesn't matter, I guess, because here we have 43 states right now with over 300 voter suppression bills, right? That are specifically targeting black and brown people. We have them attacking our our elections. We have them attacking the judiciary with all of the 300 plus federal judges that Mitch McConnell sat. 
Um, we have very slim majorities in both the House and the Senate. And then we have elections coming up, midterms. Yeah. yeah. How do you see this playing out for for de- for our democracy? I won't even say for Democrats, for our democracy, because I've been saying I said that the election was like a Band-Aid, yeah. right, that there was going to need to be a lot more that was done. Yeah. I mean, historically, the party in power has never done well in the midterms. If Trump doesn't get replatformed, I don't think Trump will have the same power that he's had before, which is good. Um, I could see a world where, I mean, it seems like from what I've heard from people who around Trump, uh, you know, in that world, they are very frustrated. They feel like he's not doing anything anymore and that he just like takes people to the omelet station and plays golf. But isn't that what he's doing? Yes. It's what he always, and also the question, the truth is it's what he always did. But he and even his son don't seem all that interested in like continuing their political life, even though there is tweeting. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I could see, I mean, he's sort of, he's sort of gone out and said that he sees Ron DeSantis as the heir apparent. What's scary is that you know, Trump is very anti-democratic and he's also very, you know, sleazy and not smart and misogynistic and racist. But um, what's scary to me is like DeSantis is not wildly different. He's just a lot smarter. So how that goes down is kind of scary there. You know, over the weekend, there was video that was shown, you know, as as we're looking at the, the trend of Republicans going to the sleaze, there is was a video of Mitt Romney, right, out at giving a speech. Yeah. And he was damn near booed off of the stage yeah. once he said, once he started to question out loud the character of Donald Trump. What do you think that that signals to him and all and, and the Republican Party as as a whole, regardless of whether Trump is replatformed, which I don't think should happen and we'll talk about in a second, is that normal middle of the road Republicans don't exist anymore. And the ones that do their, their own people hate. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty intense watching that video of him. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's right. There aren't any more of these moderate Republicans. I mean, you see this with Liz Cheney, they're trying to deep, you know, she's number three in the Republican party and they want her out because she's insufficiently Trumpy. I mean, it seems to me the Republican Party is like Trumpy and racist. They're against like, you know, they're anti anti race, you know, they're anti like, you know, education, basically. Um, So I don't know. And I mean, I think some of it is they've managed to focus on, you know, getting some groups excited about Republicanism with misinformation, right? And lies and QAnon and really scary stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I, 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 there wasn't a lot of sane people in the Republican Party to start with, but they're mm-hmm. gone. Like the Will Hurds and the people who were at all reasonable are gone. I don't know how you still have, I, I don't know how like the few people left there, like the Tim Scotts still stay. And, um, and it's really sad. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Republican Party, but I do think that American politics works better when you don't have one party that's completely insane. I mean, are they going to completely cannibalize themselves? Because people, you know, during the 2020 election, I think it was the largest, if I'm not mistaken, 
unregistering as a yeah. Republican yeah. that we had ever seen. And yet they still hold power in 35 states, right? Where they yeah. where are red states with red governors um, and at the, at the state legislature. So it's like, will they cannibalize themselves enough or is this just, this is just the way that it is. And America is essentially a stool, a two-legged stool. I don't think that it can stick around like this. Like, I think it's kind of, you can't have a situation like this. Like either Trump comes back and he goes for democracy and decides to sort of destroy it, um, which I think is actually not as likely as a more likely scenario, which is you have a Ron DeSantis who's a little smarter and chips away at it if he wins, which he may not. Um, I don't, I think it will... I don't know, it may get worse before it gets better, but it may not. I mean, like part of what's happened is Trump has really ginned things up. Mm -hmm. You know, he's made everybody kind of crazy. And Mm -hmm. so it's possible that if he goes away, that sort of that craziness dies down. Remember, like there people like Biden. They like him. Mm -hmm. They like the infrastructure. They like the no drama. You know, he's sort of boring. There's not anything they can attack that's like, inherently you know he's just sort of an old white guy you know so I do think like I I don't know I mean I think if you if you take down the temperature you take down the temperature right so if you stop like one of the problems with COVID and the vaccine is that Trump for so long was pushing so many lies about the virus that like his supporters really did get a lot of misinformation but if, if Trump goes away you sort of have that kind of lull so I don't know. It could go either way. What do you think about the replatforming situation? And again, like you'd mentioned at the beginning, Florida going to try and penalize social media platforms for not agreeing with them. And this was the party of big business, right? Like this is the party of CEOs and shareholders as long as they keep their mouths shut and fill their coffers. But now these CEOs and shareholders are just like, whoa, you all are stepping a line. You have jumped the shark in terms of like what is considered acceptable and what is not. And so do you think that Trump gets replatformed? Or do you think that social media companies and other companies begin to sue GOP legislatures? Well, it'll be interesting to see, right? Like there's a bunch of things that have happened over the last week, right? Like Dominion sailed with Newsmax, right? So they're getting ready. And, you know, once they're settling, then there's culpability. So now Dominion can go to Fox and Dominion can go to Trump and Dominion, you know, they have this lawsuit and they've really had damages, right? Because now Red states don't use Dominion voting machines, even though they're the same as all the other voting machines, just because of a Trumpy lie. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of legal recourse for corporations in America. And mm-hmm. so I could see that. I don't know how, I mean, this idea that they're going to punish social media platforms for being insufficiently Trumpy in Florida, I don't even know how that would work. I, mean, I don't even know. Right. Like, I mean, it's not, what are you going to ban it from the state? You can't get Facebook if you're in Florida, but you can get it in Alabama. I mean, like you can't, I don't know how, I mean, it seems like a dumb, like foray into the culture wars, you know, like Mitch McConnell going after the 1619 project. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like it just doesn't, it seems like more of like anti-virtue signaling than actual like things you could conceivably do in the real world. So I don't know is the answer. 
Why do you think, you know, my my last question for you, I'm so glad that you brought up the 1619 Project, because let me tell you, I don't think that I have seen outside of them attacking the LGBTQ community yeah. uh, in the beginning of the early 2000s and late 1990s, this type of targeted attack yeah. on a different, nar- on the actual, the true narrative of America, which is what the 1619 yeah. Project presents. Why are they so crazed by this? Why is it something that they are willing to go to the mats for, suspend grants, shut down public schools, like do the most so that this Pulitzer Prize winning piece of work is not shared in schools? Yeah. And it's so weird because like this is a group that does not care about anything. Right. I mean, they totally I mean, you know, they care. I mean, it's sort of good they're caring about books. Right. But um, no, I think it's just racism. I really do. I think it's just like, you know, these are their hits, right? Like target someone. So like, this is an easy one because it's like, you know, we don't want our kids to be exposed to being taught about history. Like that's not okay. So yeah, I mean, I think that's what it is. It's, it's, it's enraging to me because I feel like we have a chance to like do some things to, you know, what's interesting is like, if you see the polling, right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this is like, I, I don't know if you saw this weekend, I was reading something about Barack Obama, but like when Barack Obama was born, there was like poll that like 7% of Americans agreed with interracial marriage. Right. Mm-hmm. Now it's like 97%. Like it's so mm-hmm. nobody can, you know, and that's like gay marriage too. Like people were very against it. Yep. Nobody cares. And so like, they know, I think a lot of Republicans know they're losing the culture wars, like that people don't care what other people do with their lives because it's none of their fucking business, excuse my French. And so um, it's the situation where you have these Republicans who are like, if we can't fight people and mm-hmm. discriminate against them, then what do we do, right? And especially because I'm mad at corporate, I mean, the corporate tax stuff, I have to tell you, I'm sorry to interrupt you because you were- No, to- please, no, go. But the corporate tax stuff, They are fighting so hard to keep this tax rate like um, Biden wants to bring up the tax rate to where it was when Trump brought it down. Twenty nine, twenty eight percent. Remember, it was up to mid. It was at thirty four. It was at thirty. Yeah. And and they are like desperately don't want this corporate tax rate raised, but they also want to punish corporations for I mean, for saying that, you know, they don't want. I mean, it's just like a completely crazy thing. So it's very infuriating to me. You know, it is very infuriating. And, I, you know, I know that you have like you have a, a son. Right. And two. I'm just curious. You have two. I'm just curious. Like, do you see hope? I mean, I, I ask this of parents often. Do you see hope in the upcoming generation or are they going to be so like outdone and over politics and over this this kind of crap country that we're leaving right. for them. It's filthy. It is, you know, filled with police killing people. We have, you know, we're, we're, we can't get people to clap for clean water and ending yeah. of child poverty. Like, do you think that your kids generation, like, are they coming in like gangbusters and saying, so we're going to we're going to take this ball over the line or are they just like, Forget, forget this. We're all out for ourselves. No, I, I mean, I have three kids. I have te- three teenagers. And I think, I mean, certainly two of my kids are pretty committed. I mean, I always say to my kids, though, because 
um, I, you know, I say to them, like, think you are so lucky. Like there are kids your age who are getting stopped by the police. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, who are getting murdered by the police mm-hmm. for having like a cell phone. So I'm like always like you are so lucky. You have so much privilege. You don't realize that you're, you know, I mean, you're safe in a way that a whole group of people are not. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think they know how lucky they are, but I think they're also very disturbed by how fucked up American society is. So I do think that my kids will be involved in that. And um, I don't think that, I think this, I mean, I think why Republicans are sort of grabbing on so tight is because they know that the next generation isn't like them, right? I mean, people largely, they don't care, you know, Nobody care. Nobody cares who you marry and who you love, right? I mean, that's not something. Like, I feel like people are less and less. And it's so funny because it's like, here's a Republican Party, right? They don't want you to tell corporations they can't pollute, right? But they do want to care who you marry. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just. So I do think ultimately, um, I think ultimately the younger generation is really good. I mean, the question is, do we stop the climate change stuff before it kills them? And I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't because every every administration, we kick the can further and further down, right? And we're kicking it off of a cliff at this yeah. point with the, with the rate that we have glaciers melting, with the rate of forest fires. Um, you know, we forgot that in the midst of the beginning of the coronavirus, there were a billion animals that were lost on the planet from the fires that were happening in Australia and then the fires that were happening in California. And we just kind of went about our business as if that's normal and it's not. Yeah, exactly. I just worry. I worry, Molly. I worry too. Yeah. No, I do too. Last thing for you is, you know, what do you think the responsibility is of media right now? Because I still feel like media doesn't ask the right questions, doesn't hold the right people accountable. And the flood of misinformation makes it less so for us to get on the same page. Well, I would say the biggest thing that needs to happen is that the Murdochs need to be held responsible, either uh, financially or legally for the kind of division that they sow in American society. And I don't know exactly how you do that, but like the fact the there's so much they push so much disinformation into Mm -hmm. the ether that that is incredibly problematic in my mind. So I would say that's the first thing is hold, you know, is the Murdoch's need to be, I mean, it's like a joke. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, Rupert Murdoch lives in London, got vaccinated in December. Lachlan Murdoch lives in Australia. I mean, these people are not living in the mess they're creating. Mm. So that is really bad. I also think like we need uh, mainstream media not to platform people who supported the January 6th insurrection. And they, and that means, you know, those are people like Marsha Blackburn and, you know, Rick Santorum, who still has a CNN deal. Right. Rick Santorum, who still has a CNN deal, but also like the senators, like Josh Hawley, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Washington Post should not have Josh Hawley on a, on a, you know, they should not be platforming him. Like the, you know, there, so that needs to happen and they, there needs to be accountability there. Um, so, yeah, no, I do think there needs there's a lot that needs to be happening there. I mean, God willing, um, we will see something. I, I like to hold on to my mustard 
uh, seed of hope as it pertains to yeah. the next generation. But my God, I don't think if any other prior generation has fucked up as much as, as this one. And so I'm like, I'm terrified for yeah. what we're handing them. Me too. Molly, thank you so much for making time to join Woke AF Daily. You'll have to come back again. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you so much. Oh, the feeling is mutual. I love seeing you. Thank you. That is it for me today, friends, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit LambdaLegal.org. That's LambdaLegal.org. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.